Impact Hustlers, the podcast on entrepreneurs and change makers that are creating solutions to the world's biggest problems. Impact Hustlers is brought to you by Fast Forward 2030 and Real Changers. Visit fastforward2030.com to learn how to include the global goals into your business model and realchangers.com to find talent and careers with impact. And this is your host, Michael Shafra. This is Impact Hustlers, the podcast on the entrepreneurs that solve the world's biggest social and environmental problems. And I'm your host, Michael Schaffrath. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. If you like this episode, make sure to subscribe, leave a review and share the episode, most importantly, with a friend. To keep updated on new episodes, visit impacthustlers.com and sign up for our email alerts. And follow us on Twitter as well at Impact Hustlers. Enjoy today's episode and let's go. In today's episode, I speak to Ruby Raut, co-founder and CEO of Wuka Periodwear. Wuka has created a sustainable alternative to tampons and pads with their leak-proof period pants. Ruby grew up in Nepal, where at the age of 12, when she started menstruating, she was sent away from home. This is part of a traditional ritual called Chopadi which has caused periods to be regarded as a big taboo in Nepalese society. With Wuka, Ruby is on a mission to make periods a thing of normality, create a more sustainable alternative to existing products, and create a big brand in the process. It's great to have you on the show. Thank you, Michael. It's really, really amazing to be on the show as well. <laughs> Thanks for joining me. You're tackling multiple problems at once, I would think, when I look at your product. I think first there's the sustainability issue. Absolutely, yes. I think you're talking about that in the UK alone, there's about 200,000 tampons and pads that are going to landfill every, every year. year. Yes. And then also the societal issue of the taboo or the kind of nobody likes to talk about think, period. Talk about exactly, periods. yeah. So which was the problem that actually inspired you to start this company? What drives you the most to actually do this? Mainly, I think it's the environmental perspective. Growing up in Nepal, I think having the chopadi kind of like scarred me for up until I was 20 years old, because every month you are separated from anything that you do in the house. But what drove me to create Wuka was the environmental perspective. I came here, did my environmental science degree, and then realized the huge amount of waste that goes to landfill because of our period. And now we only think it's only one month like it's a monthly thing and it's only for four or five days. But the fact that 4.6 million tampons, pads and panty liners are flushed down the toilet every day wow. in the UK. That is absolutely ridiculous, it's even right? bigger than the landfill number. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Well, we are talking in terms of tons yeah. and this is individual yeah. pieces wow. kind of thing. But, mm. but it is huge. And this is like people are still not educated about the environmental impact of tampons and pads going to landfill or being flushed down the toilet. At the market, all you can find is tampons and pads. Pads contains 90% of plastic, and that takes another five, 600 years to degrade. Similarly, tampons contains plastic as well because of the rayon and cotton. And then the applicator itself is full of plastic. So yeah, it's the environmental problem. It's a huge problem. And whenever I go and I talk about Wuka to anywhere, most of the time people ask me, this will be a great solution for people living in Nepal, India, those kind of thing. And then I have to explain them. The main reason that I've created this problem is to solve the problem of waste, like how we consume and throw so much things every day. Mm. It's that consumption, you know, like the huge consumption. Like, And also the other problem of out of your sight, out of your mind. Once you throw it, nobody thinks about the waste. Absolutely. 
Yeah. So I think in Nepal, there's actually something called Sari Raks, right? How does that work? And so, how has that played a so role in your journey? Sari Raks is actually not a menstrual product. Mm. It's my mom's old Sari. It's like a traditional clothes that women wear. Mm. And it's usually made out of cotton. And once the sari gets old and thin and flimsy, what my mum used to do is like rip it apart and then turn that into a pad, fold it up and then used in the underwear. Still very sustainable, very reusable, dries very quickly, everything good about it. I think the main drawback is it's absolutely uncomfortable. Mm. And this is something I constantly keep on saying is like people in Nepal, in developing countries don't know their body size so they usually wear underwear that doesn't even fit them. Mm. And wearing a pad with the underwear that doesn't fit them, that means there are chances of either the pad falling down when they are doing activities and stuff. And this used to happen when I used to go to school. Like you take part in sports and stuff and then your like bloody wet pad is literally drop and causing another kind of embarrassment mm. and stopping girls from going to school. All right. So yeah. uh, girls actually have to stay home yes. or basically yes. won't go to, to school. To avoid yeah. those kind of embarrassment. Yeah. And then the other being the toilet facilities. And this is the major problem in any developing countries, like mm. having a changing facilities for girls. There is none, basically. So I think any NGOs that wants to work in developing country, they need to start working on making a, at least a private facilities for mm. girls to go and change whenever they are in the period. Mm -hmm. Tell us more about Chopati and how that works and how that stigma is there. And then I think the next question after that would yeah. be, you just mentioned, you know, everybody thinks, oh, that's not our problem in the West. This is something for other countries, etc. Yeah. So while you talk about Chopati, I'd like to have you talk as well about how is it actually in the West or in the UK? Like we sometimes might think, oh, there's no problem here. No. No, there's no stigma around. It's all fine. Yeah. You can buy it everywhere. So talk about the Chopati and then how you see it in the UK in terms of stigma. Yeah. So so the whole social taboo about period is not just a problem of East. It's a problem of the entire world. Every country has some kind of taboos related to period. Mm. Chopadi is more of a social tradition in far Western part of Nepal. I grew up in Eastern part of Nepal. So in the far Western part of Nepal, every month when a girl or a woman have a period, they're sent to cow shed or menstrual hut and they sleep in the hay or this hut are so tiny that you have to literally crawl inside the house. And this is like the re reoccurrence and the pattern that you see is like most of the time women and girl die on the period on the menstrual hut, especially in winter mainly because they are trying to keep themselves warm and then they suffocate on the fumes and die. The other reason being snake bite. Mm. And one of the things that never gets reported is the rape cases. How many rape cases get unreported? I grew up in the eastern part of Nepal. So only on my first period, I had to go and stay at somebody else's house mm. and almost treated like you are an untouchable. And actually, that is what it is called in Nepali for period is Natune. Mm -hmm. And Natune literally translates to untouchable. Oh, wow. And you are untouchable kind of thing. I think the biggest problem is when there's like a social gathering or when you have like some kind of events, wedding, death, and then you can't take part in any of those. And that is like very heartbreaking for many women, you know, mm. to be excluded from something that they always wanted to be part of kind of thing. And then the problem exists here in the UK too. There are still huge Asian communities in here. And I know for a fact that many women still follow this tradition of not sleeping with their husband for four days, not going to temple. And we do spark a lot of conversation in social forums like social media, mm. Facebook and stuff about like, actually, it's just a natural process. 
and the fact that period poverty up until 2017, it never got noticed because nobody talks about period. Again, there's this hush-hush about period. Still, there are many brands that are advertising themselves as a discreet kind of thing. I don't think we should be discreet about it. More than half of the population goes through it, right? We should be talking about it. Many health problems get diagnosed because we talk about our health and a reproductive system kind of thing. Yeah. Amazing. It's a huge problem. Amazing that you're solving it. So as a ignorant man, let's say, uh, let me put my ignorant man head on, right? <laughs> If I go to a store, a boots or a drugstore, a super truck or whatever, yeah. there's many brands, right? You go there, you see so many different tampons and pads and you have the biggest choice of your life, yes, right? Yes. But it seems like there's very little difference between all these things. And then it doesn't seem like there's real innovation happening. So while there's so many products, yeah. why is there a need for something like what you're doing? Yeah, that makes sense. And this is something I got absolutely overwhelmed when I first came to UK. It's like, I never seen pads or tampons before, right? Mm. And then you walk into an aisle of so-called femme care. That's what they call it. And you walk in and then you, there are like different absorbency, different types of pads. But then there are pads and tampons, basically. It's only since end of last year, I think some of the supermarkets started putting up cups, menstrual cups. But yet, period pants is nowhere to be seen. In fact, if I have to tell you in here, I was applying for the government tender for Department of Education to provide free sanitary products to a school. And even in that tender, there's no mention of period pants. Yet period pants been out for like four or five years now, right? Mm. And it should be recognized because it's one of the most comfortable form of menstrual product in the market. Mm. I guess what is missing is I think the media, whenever they talk about periods or they talk about period poverty, there is never mention about period pants. Mm. They never do any kind of research. And I think that is very important that they do their research. They find out all the brands, all the alternatives that's available in the market and feature them to say that actually... You don't have to just buy tampons and pads. There are other reusable options as well. And these days, everybody shops online, right? So you don't have to be in the shop to buy any kind of product. Mm. So, yeah, I blame it to media for not doing their part in raising the profile of a sustainable menstrual product. Mm. So compared to all these 5 million tampons and pads, what's actually the advantage of using your period pants? Why is it a better product? So... Disposables are one use kind of thing. Once you use it, you throw it away. Period pants, you can wear it up to two years. So each pair of underwear will replace nearly more than 100 tampons and pads going to landfill. So obviously that is the environmental aspect of it. Health-wise as well, it is an external product. So there is no chances of like toxic shock syndromes or whatsoever. And the most important thing is the comfort. I think so. And not many people realize that, but using pads is kind of like irritating. Many people like suffer from sensory issues, those kind of things. Tampons are very drying and you cannot use towards the end of the period or in the beginning of the period. I think this is too much information for you, but, <laughs> but this is how it no goes. Problem. Like the cycle yeah. goes, you know, like you have a lighter days, heavy days, lighter days. And it depends on different person mm -hmm. as well. And underwear is something like easy just to wear. And the best thing about the period pants is like they're machine washable. So you don't have to worry about if you feel icky or anything about it. You can just rinse the blood out, chuck them in the washing with your towels or anything mm. up to 40 degrees and hang dry it and then they're ready to use next time. Mm. Also, are constantly running out of tampons and pads in the house. This is something that will stay in your underwear drawer forever kind of thing. 
Amazing. Let's talk a bit about your story as a founder and how you actually started out. I think you started WUKA just a few months after you left university. Yes. So how was that journey? Because I think you were initially looking for a job, but then you wanted to be in this space. And then how does one start a fashion brand actually, or uh, like a, how's it called? What do you say? Fashion brand? Well, yeah, empowering brand. Yeah, empowering <laughs> fashion. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Sustainable. Exactly. Brand, yeah. Right? yeah. Um, so when I did environmental science, I was actually determined to work in the same sector, either women's health or environment. These are where my like key target kind of thing. And while I was looking for a job, I did three charities work, helping one day a week. I did a pop-up shop in a pop-up vegan kitchen kind of thing while paying it off. And then I found this amazing project that I think Sainsbury's was giving one million pound for community projects who are trying to make an environmental impact in, in the community. So I just wrote a letter to them, 500 words to say like what I've got in my mind. And I've created this curriculum that I would like to deploy in the school where I'm going to teach the kids not to throw the food away so that it saves the food from going to landfill and methane and all these kind of things. So the younger generation are more educated about it. And I managed to get that tender kind of thing. And that was like my first, like, okay, I can do something about mm -hmm. it. You know, like with creative minds, with something that I've learned throughout my education kind of thing, I can actually put it forward, look out for the community funds and grants, and then start my own work. So, so they wired you a million pounds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the grant, yeah. No, so, no, so it wasn't no, one, one no, million. No, 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 not quite that. I got a, it for sure. Yeah, I got it about 30 grand, yeah. which was still a huge amount of money Amazing. for me. Yeah, I know, it's like, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the money. You got to do whatever you want to do kind of thing. And, and that came out really well. Mm. And that was like a kind of boost for me to think about, okay, I want to make some change. And then we started getting award for the project that I was working, like the local mayor's award and those kind of things. And while I was doing this, I was volunteering in different charities. Uh, and one of the charities was Women's Environmental Network. And they had done this environmental project talking about the eco-friendly menstrual product 20 years ago, but never looked back. So I said, like, I would like to pick this mm. up and then maybe run a pilot project in one of the schools. And then when I went to the school, found out only two girls knew about reusable menstrual product. While I was talking to them about it, I had almost like this eureka moment where I was like, okay, I used to sometimes pin the pad in the underwear and use it. Why can't I just stitch the pad in the underwear and wear it? So on my way back home, I literally went to one of the secondhand sewing machine, bought one, went home, YouTube on how to put the sewing machine together, how to make a pattern of the underwear and how to make an underwear. And I made my first tiny like Barbie kind of underwear. <laughs> <laughs> then I got really into it, like into making my own underwear. Then the whole next phase was the material research, just to see myself, like try it, wear it, how it feels. So just went to one of the supermarket, bought one of the biggest pants and then put absorbent material in it, stitched it all together. And wore that pants for two months for my own period, just to see like, is it comfortable? Is it washable? And then at the end of two months, I cut it out just to see if everything is washed out, those kind of things. Those were the, like the initial stays, but this was just me, right? I don't know whether this product is going to work for every people or not. So market research is very important. Mm. So I made myself a research student and put it up in a Google survey in Facebook. And I have asked everybody to fill it up and share it with friends and this and that. And overnight, I got nearly 700 responses. Oh, wow. That was just incredible. And from the data, what we collected, found out that more than 70% of mm. women are still not happy with the current menstrual product. 
And this was like, okay, How many percent? 70%. 70, wow. Yeah. So everybody is like scared of leaks or embarrassment or they find it irritating, chafing, those kind of things. So I was like, okay, I'm into something mm. here. So I started doing fabric research and material research, found this amazing fabric that is used for like undersea cabling, mm. never used in sanitary products before. And uh, I thought, okay. That's quite absorbing. So I might. <laughs> how, how do you find that? Because like, I'm sure if you type into Google what to use for period wire, it doesn't say, oh, the undersea cable. No, that's a good, no, it doesn't. That's a good one. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It is a lot of work. Yeah. You have to do material research, how they work, what they work for, those kind of things. And it's all about test. Like you bring it home, put it in the underwear, see how it works, absorbing, like you can do water test as well, mm. those kind of things. How long did you test? Like how long did this period go from? Eight months. Wow. Yeah, mm. it was long. But then at the end of the eight months, we did manage to create some prototypes. So we went to one of the mm. last standing lingerie manufacturer in Wales. They were the tiny manufacturer. So I said, like, I would like to make like 30 underwear <laughs> to give out to the women for a prototype testing kind of thing. And I, I went there. I stayed with them for three days, worked with them to cut, to make a pattern, everything, you know, and they were absolutely amazing to help a startup just with the ideation process. I think that was incredible. And then came home and I said, like, in my Facebook again, humble, good Facebook said, like, I've got 30 pair of underwear who would like to come to my house and try it out. And I'll give you a pair of pants to try it. And I have this random woman knocking on my door, right? Come in and trying the underwear and that's where it all started so there you discovered basically a real problem that hadn't really been solved most people are unhappy with no. their existing products yeah. why did it take yeah. you to solve this problem shouldn't have been like the big companies have identified this problem a long time ago like don't they know their customers are pretty unhappy with what they're doing is it because all the decision makers are all white men or why did it take you to solve this problem I think, well, the big brands, what they think about is more about how can you make mm. money out of something rather than doing it for a cause. And I think that is where I come from is like, I wanted to make an environmental impact an environmental change with this product. And that is the passion that I drove with. And I also did a lean startup machine course. So basically you to go on a weekend with an idea, make that idea happen within the weekend. And basically some people even start the business. So I was on that path. Like if I want something, I'll do it. If I fail, so what? Move on to next thing, right? If I pass, then why not give it a go? And at that time, I think the time was perfect as well. I was just doing the part-time food waste job and I had free time on my hand to work on this. Main reason being is because if you make a product like us, there might be customer who might not come back for another two years, right? And that is something they don't want it. I mean, I know that one of the brand started doing menstrual cup and this menstrual cup lasts for 10 years, right? But they launched it in America and now they have put it in the shelf pack that it only lasts for two years, mm. right? You can see how cheeky they are in terms of like, okay, they want a returning customer. They want people to think that, oh, two years and after mm. two years, throw it away and then get another one, those kind of things. So I don't think they have good conscience in, so, in terms of looking after the environment and yeah, mm. compared to us, right. which is what we are about. Yeah, amazing. And in that process, you're not just good for the environment, but you seem to provide a product that is actually superior in terms of comfort and all that. Yes. So it's not just some scratchy, sustainable thing no, that is no, like, oh yeah. God, yeah, no, <laughs> I'm doing good for the environment, but it's really uncomfortable, but it's actually it's a quality. Uh, uh, I think. And this a is, good product. And, yeah. yeah. 
Amazing. My mom always told me like, whenever you buy something or whenever you do something, try to do it to the top quality because yeah. people will remember that and come back again and again. And that's how you gain like a, almost like a social validation from the customer kind of thing. Mm. And that is always stuck in my mind. And I'm always thinking about like, how can I make the underwear like the top sustainable menstrual product kind of thing. And that's why we chose the fabric. We used Lensing Micromodal. It's the same family as Tensile Fabric. They are forest certified, made in Austria fabric. And they are six times more comfortable than cotton. So comfort again comes first kind of thing. So mm. we have put everything in mind. Right. To make a amazing. And who else is out there? Is there like a lot of competitors for you by now? When I did a quick Google search, you find all kinds of period pants now. Are yeah. you one of many or uh, how does it look like? Are you worried about this? Not really. I think brand wise, we are quite strong. We stand for something that I think other brands are missing out. And it's all about loud and proud talking about period and providing that comfort and the sustainability aspect of it. There are a few brands out there as a competitors to being quite big ones. And for us as a small startup with still two people working in this thing, <laughs> I think we are doing pretty good. Mm. We, are, we are onto something good. Yeah. So and now is the time where what's missing is the top of the funnel. The awareness is missing out. And still in the UK, not many people know about period pants. So that is the big part that we need to do to raise this awareness about the whole new category, you know? Mm. All right. In terms of anybody that listens to this and maybe they're starting they're at the point where you were a few years ago coming out of university or maybe they've been working in a job for a few years, but thinking about starting their own thing. What's the biggest learning you had in this whole journey from testing and building prototypes yourself to finding a manufacturer yeah. to marketing everything? Is there like a big learning that you didn't expect or something that you can share? There'll be a lot of failures coming on the way when you're doing this. There'll be many people saying that, oh, it might not work. And this is something that I've learned is like, sometimes you have to go with your guts. And when I did the food waste project, I reached out to so many charities to say like, I've got this amazing idea and I would love to do it with full passion and stuff. Would you like to help me? And then there were like many times people thought like, okay, Getting into school is very hard and blah, blah, blah. And they will come up with like tons of questions to you to just challenge you. If you have the answer for all, go for it. You know, if you believe in yourself, go for it. Also, many times when you come out of the university, I think one of the biggest challenges is obviously the job kind of thing, finding the right job. If you had that passion and drive for the study that you did, then go find something that you would love to do. That's what I say. And that's what I did as like, And perseverance, yes, sometimes some things do take time, but keep pushing it. Be a hustler, you know, do a lot of networking events. This is something that I did was like after my graduation, I did 50 coffee. Mm. So talking to like even the CEO and like I even spoke to some of the teacher in UCL, professor kind of thing, just to get an idea of like, where do I want to go kind of thing. And many times it's just talking about what you've done, what you like to go. And these are like the free advice that people will be able to give you. So maybe starting with the 50 coffee is a good thing. Organize that, you know, and meet 50 people. These 50 people will give another two people to you. So then you have got another hundred people to go and talk to and you never know where the opportunity opens. Mm -hmm. Last question for you is, if you imagine for the next 10 years, how does the world look like in 10 years if you succeed with VUCA? I think no girls will miss out on the school because of the period. We would love to expand this as a global product and be available at a reasonable price for the girls all around the world. That is my ultimate mission is that 
like me, no girl should have any kind of embarrassment around period and miss out on school. The other thing is the sustainability side of it. And I know that for a fact, this will kick off quite big. We are now realizing that every product that we use, every step that we make has some kind of impact in the environment and climate change is for real. So if we want a better future for us, for our children, for our grandchildren, then we need to make that move. And yeah. I think it's time. Mm. And also for like a female startup kind of thing, I guess, hopefully we'll be able to inspire many girls to start up their own business and run their own business. So they could be an inspirational figure for next generation to come. Amazing. Are you already selling in Nepal? Or No, I'm not. I'm trying it out because sizing is another huge issue at the moment. So I've sent out, I think, nearly a hundred of them as a prototype kind of way, just to get the idea of like what sizing is most popular, whether people are familiar with sizing kind of thing. Marketing works very differently. People are still not online shoppers and they have to go to a physical shop to buy things. So that changes the whole dynamic of things. Um, but we are doing some testing in terms of size and what people like and are they comfortable wearing it. I know because there is this trend of like Eastern trying to follow Western pattern and now everybody wants to wear tampons and pads, not realizing that once you use it, what are you going to do with it? Because waste management facilities is not great as here, yeah, you know, yeah. and you'll have to still have to dump it by the street or something and just creates a huge pollution. Yeah. So I think trying to convince the government as well, it will be a quite big challenge here. Yeah. I wish you all the best and helping maybe leapfrog that and let people skip all the tampon and pad era in those countries and obviously also create more growth for you here in the UK We and are the all US about leapfrogging. and wherever you want to want to go to. So thanks very much for joining me today. It was thank great you to so hear much. Your story thank you, Michael. Thank you. All right. Thanks. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you like this episode, make sure to subscribe, leave a review and share the episode with a friend. To keep updated on new episodes, visit impacthustlers.com and sign up for our email alerts. And also follow us on Twitter at impacthustlers. Thanks very much for tuning in and see you next week. This was Impact Hustlers, the podcast on entrepreneurs and change makers that are creating solutions to the world's biggest problems. Impact Hustlers is brought to you by Fast Forward 2030 and Real Changers. Visit fastforward2030.com to learn how to include the global goals into your business model and realchangers.com to find talent and careers with impact. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe share the episode, leave us a review and consider becoming a supporter on buymeacoffee.com slash impacthustlers. This means a lot to me. Thank you very much for tuning in and see you next time. Bye.